Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech, but that I call Mobile Syrup's teen correspondent, is once again not across the table from me. He's on the internet. I'm seeing his his lovely face over Google Meet this time because we're still uh, sheltering in, in place because of COVID-19. How are you doing, Brad? doing good. I've taken my sheltering to the next level, and I'm actually coming to you from a Russian submarine off of the Pacific coast, um, and it's nice. Internet speeds are surprisingly fast. How's the Wi-Fi at your depth currently? I wish I knew a numerical value to say for depth that would make sense, but the Wi-Fi is 120 megabits per second, megabytes. Just say you're a, a thousand leagues under the sea or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm that author. Um, and we also have John Lamont here with us today. How are you doing, John? I am doing well, all, can, all things considered. Uh, joining in from my basement where I have not seen the sun in weeks. You, you're looking very pale. I can, I can totally tell you haven't been outside. Yeah, the, the outdoors, it's a, it's a scary place. Uh, I prefer the internet, not the outdoors. I hear there's murder hornets out there. Yes, uh, I think those are only in BC, though. So we're, they're, they're coming we're okay. here. They're coming. They're hitching a train to Ontario. They're yeah, on their summer's, way. Summer's coming, the warm weather. So we're not here to talk about murder hornets or COVID-19, thankfully. We're talking about hardware this week as well as software. I'm handing over the reins of the podcast to Brad again this week against my better judgment because he came up with the interesting idea to do sort of a PC Mac head-to-head given various service devices and new MacBook laptops have have launched over the last couple of weeks. So I'll throw it over to him to uh, intro what we're going to be talking about this week. Yeah, it's a classic Mac versus PC showdown. Uh, that's Patrick, he's a Mac, and that's John, he's a PC. And yeah, basically these two guys are kind of within our office known as the Mac and PC guys, and they're representing their uh, houses accordingly and uh yeah we're gonna go through a few topics like hardware and software design and then a few other things like smartphone integration um and just kind of see like if we can determine between the three of us who have used all the ecosystems but generally fall more towards one than the other and see if uh maybe we can have our opinions swayed with all the new hardware coming out we thought that would be timely sick do you want to hit the uh the hottest news of the week super quick yes So first up on Hottest News of the Week, Google has sort of officially announced that Google Play Music is uh, dying, I guess, being being closed down. We knew this was coming for a long time, but now Google's made a tool for transferring over your listening data, uh, your music, your playlist, your cloud save songs over from Google Play Music to YouTube Music. There's also a tool for transferring your podcast from Google Play Music to Google's new podcasting app. 
Uh, both these seem to work well, but the tool is rolling out in stages and you'll see it pop up on the podcast app or the YouTube music app. Why would I ever subscribe to YouTube music if I already have Spotify or I, I don't like Apple music for a variety of reasons that I won't get into, but what does YouTube music offer like anything that those other platforms don't? Yeah, it sort of has two unique features, one being very unique, one not so unique. Uh, the first one is that it sort of has access to YouTube music videos or just music that's on YouTube, you know, uh, chill beats to study slash workout to that video is on YouTube music. I have an artist that I like called Tyler Childers and some of the songs that I like by him I can only find on YouTube, but I can save them in my playlist through YouTube music. So that way you kind of have access to those songs in a roundabout way. Um, and then the okay, other thing... That's- that's cool. Yeah, it, it is actually really cool. And it gives you access to a lot more songs that you can't find on other platforms. It's sort of a hidden gem. Um, and then the other thing is that it sort of has a cloud locker interface. So you can upload songs from or on a computer and then access them on your phones because they're saved in the cloud in the YouTube music cloud. And then you can, I believe, use those songs and put them into playlists with just regular songs that you pay for for your YouTube streaming music subscription. Um, giving you like a wide mix of music that maybe you've made with songs that you like as well as YouTube videos. So it has sort of a deeper pool to pull from. Yeah. And that, cool. that cloud save was uh, that was a Google play music feature. Was it not? Yeah, it was. That was one yeah. of the big things people were waiting for to switch from Google play music to YouTube music. I think it was like two or three months ago that they sort of added it and uh, it's here now. So I haven't really used it and went in depth to see how much it works. I used to use the Google play one a lot. Um, but I have faith that it probably acts very similar. Yeah, I was as a Spotify was thinking, loyalist. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When um, uh, when Play Music first launched, I was big into that that cloud music thing because uh, I didn't want to pay for a subscription, so I just uploaded all my own songs. But now that I pay for a, a subscription, I don't find that feature super necessary. When Play Music first launched, I uploaded uh, roughly thirty gigs of music. I won't tell you how I procured that music, yeah, yeah. but I upload thir- uploaded 30 gigs um, from my like iPod Classic directly. Yeah. So, and that was pretty cool. But then like I got into Spotify and I just had no no interest in going back and listening to all the songs that I already had access to on a streaming platform that has it all in the cloud. I think the only other big like cloud system that a lot not a lot of people know about is Apple Music. It has this thing called iTunes match and I don't even know if it's called that anymore and I might be leading people towards something that doesn't exist under that name but I'm almost 99% sure that it does exist in some way but you pay like $30 a year and then any music in your Apple music app used to be iTunes app on your computer would upload to the cloud like Google Play Music Um, and I used to use that all the time uh, but I recently stopped paying for it that's why I know that it's still around some it still form. exists. Subscribe. I, I googled iTunes Match, and it says subscribe to iTunes Match. Yeah. So you pay thirty bucks, I think, if that's still the price, um, and you get that functionality on Apple Music as well. But you have to pay thirty dollars a year for it. Should I move yeah. on? Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next thing is actually Apple related again, as we trail off on that. But it's AirPod Studios, which might be a new wireless headset from Apple. That's more of an over-ear design, like Bose noise canceling seven hundreds or Beat Studios. Uh, but under Apple's AirPods branding and featuring like magnetic components that sort of customize the fit, I guess. I'm interested in these because I, I like the idea of changing the fit of headphones. I, even at home, like I wear headphones pretty much all day. So any way to make those that experience more comfortable would be great. Mm-hmm. I do question the logic of calling them AirPods Studio 
because inherently if they're over ear headphones, they're not really pods that you're putting in your ear. Like I know this is a a little bit of semantics (laughs) here, but it seems strange in a way, but from a marketing perspective, I totally get it because AirPods are some of the most popular headphones ever released, right? Like they're instantly recognizable. Everybody knows the name. So if you're releasing new headphones, you're not going to call them like the Apple Buds or or something like that. You're going to stick with that. that That's what I was going to say. Like on the count of three, can we all think of a new name that might be better suited than AirPods Studio? Okay, let's do it. All right, take three seconds. I think I just want to go with like Apple headphones or like... Apple noise canceling headphones, maybe. Uh, Airphones. Whoa! Ooh, you got it. My, I, I want them to call them the eye headphones. It's a throwback. The Mac uh, phones. I just think that Apple's putting a lot of things into like the Apple branding vertical, so that makes the most sense for it to go next. Although I don't know if that will ever extend to hardware beyond, beyond Apple Pencil. Actually, Apple Pencil. So maybe. But then I'm, again, I'm hyped. I'm hyped for these. Like, I think they're going to be revealed uh, during Apple's All Digital WWDC uh, in June. Be some amazing commercials. Some dude or person walking down the street, AirPods Pro in, bop, bop, bop. I'm having a great life. Open door into darkness. Exposure matches. It's a studio. Pulls the big headphones out of the darkness, puts them on, starts mixing music like we all do every day. And I know that that's going to come. I have huge. I think I just outlined the, the commercial. Johnny Ive's going to narrate it too. He's going to do a, a contract appearance to, to narrate it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next and final piece of the hottest news this week so far. The Pixel 4a is tipped to come out in early June. Um, although we don't, you know, we don't know. It's just a rumor. But leading out of that, it seems like Mark Lavoie, the head of the camera sort of team at Google's Pixel department, has left. And uh, yeah, that's pretty big. We don't think it will impact the Pixel 4a, but going forward, that seems like a pretty key component to the Google Pixel dominance abandoning ship. Yeah, and there was something connected with that about uh, Rick Osterlo. I probably butchered that, but um, who's the the head of Pixel uh, in the whole Pixel 4 battery situation with the battery life not being great and the, the issues all connected into that. So. Mm-hmm. Things aren't aren't looking super great for the Pixel ship right now, but yeah, that just they got hit with sort of a storm of bad news today, and it was worse than we would have expected. We don't know how much it will affect the team in the future, but none of it was good at all. Yeah, fair enough. Are you guys ready for the showdown then? Yeah, Let's ready. Um, but yeah, so I guess the first thing we should talk about is hardware design. And so for this, we'll keep it just to the Mac laptops and the Surface laptop, tablet computers. Um, although we won't go into other Windows devices. We'll just mention that at the end because we all know that that's there. But for the purpose of the debate, I think it's just MacBook Pros, MacBook Airs, MacBooks versus Surface laptops and Surface Books and Surface Goes. You ready? Who wants to go first to defend why their computer has the best hardware design? The best hardware design. Um, um, I, I can start it off, I guess. Uh, I have always, I think part of what attracted me to Mac laptops, even just to begin with, is the fact that there's some of the best hardware design out there. They're super durable. Um, they have this like aluminum I believe it's aluminum, right? That they're made out of. Um, someone's going to correct me and tell me. It, that it is. I'm pretty sure it's aluminum. This aluminum unibody design. Aluminium. That at one point was like 
leagues ahead of anything that Windows was doing. And then the Surface line came along and it slowly caught up with Apple. I would probably say that Surface devices are really, really, really close to being as well made and as good looking as what Apple has with the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air. They're not quite there, but they're almost there. Um, yeah, I like there's certain things that I don't like about the design. I think I talked about this pretty uh, quite a bit with my 13 inch MacBook Pro review. Um, I wish that Apple reduced the bezels on the 13 inch, like the bezels around the screen. I think that's a bit of a bit of an issue considering that they did the same thing with the 16 inch. It makes sense that they should have done it with the 13 inch. I have a conspiracy theory that they had that planned all along, but those that that sort of had to be pushed to the wayside because of COVID-19. And then they pushed out this subtle redesign that they were also working on simultaneously. I don't know if that's true. Clearly just me taking a shot in the dark. There's also a possibility they could be waiting um, to do that sort of more significant aesthetic revamp when the mini LED version launches uh, next year. That's the rumors that there's going to be like a mini LED screen coming to the MacBook Pro. I don't know. Generally, I just think that Apple's laptops still look slightly better than Surface devices. But like I said, they're catching up. Like they're, they're pretty close at this point. Fair enough. John, why do you think the yes. Surfaces look better? So what I would say about the Surface is that it's kind of like the MacBook, but with a more modern twist or a more modern take. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is if you look specifically at the, the Surface laptop line, they're, they just have these small differences that, that make them stand out a little bit. So at, at a base level, I would say that the chassis is basically the same, whether you're getting a, a MacBook or a Surface, it's still... Uh, aluminum or magnesium or whatever material it is it's, a, it's a, metal, a metal chassis some models have the alcantara like felt pad thing on the keyboard rest which is really nice um, but there's also the metal ones now mm-hmm. but what sets the chassis apart at least with the surface laptops and something that i think is actually really good even though it's like subtle and you don't notice it at first is that the keyboard or the palm rest uh, below the keyboard is actually on an angle. So it starts off really thin and it gets thicker towards the back of the laptop. And that makes it feel really good when you're typing because it's kind of got this angled uh, form to it. And like when you use a keyboard at a desktop, you usually have the keyboard on an angle a little bit, right? You have yeah. the back of the keyboard is up a little bit higher. Yeah, so it's just like, like nine or 10 degrees. Yeah, it's just little stuff like that, right? Like if you look at a uh, MacBook, it's a little bit more traditional, you know, squared off edges, everything's the same, you know, width and height and stuff like that. Whereas the the surface is a little bit more angular, it's a little bit more shaped, um, and they're a little bit more experimental. Another area that they do this is the screen's aspect ratio. It's a taller three by two instead of the more traditional 16 by nine, which, you know, might look a little bit weird to some people because it's a lot more square, but from a productivity standpoint, it's so nice to have that extra vertical space, especially on a smaller form factor like a laptop. Where Do all Surface devices have that aspect ratio? I think so. Okay. I'm not The only one I'm not sure about is the Go 2 or, yeah, the Surface Go off the top of my head, but I think they all have the 3-2 aspect ratio or something like very similar to that. 
Yeah, that's something that I think it would be it would be interesting to see Apple if they ever adopted a wider ratio because like when you do use a screen with a more squarish ratio, like I think Pat, you have the Pixel Book, right, which has one like that, and I have I, do, an, yeah. I have an Acer Chromebook that has one like a screen like that too, and it's really nice to have all that extra space. Like it's almost like you don't know what to do with it at first, but once you get used to like reading things like that, going to something uh, wider just almost feels thin, even if it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they created the Surface Laptop, and then they have used that same design with very little tweaks and changes. Same thing with the surface pro tablets. They came out with the initial surface pro design and it's been more or less the same for the last like several years that they've, they've had it right since the pro three, it's been pretty much the same. The biggest change we got recently was just a port layout, which I would argue is something that Apple probably wins in terms of, I don't know, maybe you could argue the opposite way, but it's, I, I would actually, yeah, I would say that. I, I think right now the MacBook, as long as you're getting the one with four USB-C ports, uh, probably is better than the uh, the Surface laptop. Which is what, one USB-C, one Surface charger proprietary port, and one USB-A and a headphone jack? Yeah, and a headphone jack, yeah. I, I kind of appreciate Microsoft mixing in the USB-A, though. Like, I know that doesn't matter that much now, most of us live in a USB-C world, mm-hmm. but I think for like the average consumer making that jump is still going to be pretty, pretty jarring. And I know Apple had this true. vision of pushing that forward when the first MacBook launched back in 20, 2015. And like for us, it doesn't matter. All my stuff for the most part is USB-C. I have like a little adapter on my desk for USB-A. If I need to plug something in, it's there. Can I um, say something kind of crazy? Yeah, go I ahead. Realize? Um, getting USB-C on a desktop computer, super crazy hard to do weirdly hard to do which is you need a, a hub right yeah like to buy a motherboard with usb-c is, is oh expensive. a motherboard or even a computer with it built in like they usually only have like one port uh you have to pay like a huge premium for it it's weird yeah um on on that note uh i'm working on a story that i can't really say much about but it involves a motherboard um and that motherboard has like a thunderbolt 3 adapter but it's like a pcie expansion slot which is super weird it's not even part of the typical io it's like a whole extra piece that i have to install yeah um okay yeah but that's a cool time tangent and something that i think is worth talking about but we'll get back to it um so so far we've kind of established hardware good on both of them the port selection is different maybe windows has an advantage with that taller display and that tightly curved keyboard or slanted keyboard here's a curveball question would you rather have the touch bar on the macbook or the detachable screen of the surface book the touch bar is useless yeah that's that's kind of a no-brainer um you guys are going both they're going tablet like so I, if you go back screen. into the mobile syrup archives, I wrote a story when the touch bar first came on the scene in 2016, talking about how uh, it has a tremendous amount of potential and it could be really cool mm-hmm. because it has the ability, the keys, the, the touch it bar itself can adapt to what apps it's using. And I mean, we've seen some of that. There's like Adobe apps that really take advantage of it in cool ways. But beyond that, it's really not very useful. I know if you use Safari, there's things you can do like bookmarks and things like that. But I don't think it's ever really evolved into what Apple wanted it to be. And at this point, it's been like a couple of years. It's it's not going to. It is what it is because it's Apple. They're not going to get rid of it. It's going to be around for the foreseeable future. And maybe it'll disappear when they do that mini LED display revamp next year if that happens. 
But like as it stands right now, I if this laptop didn't feature the touch bar, I would be fine with it. I honestly, I never touch it. I don't even know that it's there. Fair enough. All right. That's point Microsoft pull off screen. Actually, just just to play devil's advocate, okay. I would probably take the the tablet or detachable screen, but on the same token, the the touch bar allows you to have at least in this scenario that we've concocted, the touch bar allows you to have a traditional laptop layout, which means that um, you would get some hopefully better thermals and stuff like that. Cause you know, one of the issues with the surface book and just to be clear, I have not gone hands-on with the book three yet. So this could be different, but one of the concerns with, with the surface book line is because the main computer is a detachable tablet They've got to pack the processor and everything in there with the exception of some extra battery and the GPU, which reside in the keyboard. Everything else is in the tablet part. And so you have to be a lot more cautious with thermals and how you handle packing everything in there to make sure that it all works when you detach it from the keyboard. So from that kind of perspective, if you were going with something a little bit more traditional, you could probably have a little bit more powerful of a laptop. Here's a question. When I was using a Surface Book, I still have the OG one. Um, I used it probably for six months as my main uh, laptop for for work and play and whatever. Mm -hmm. I probably detached the tablet part from the keyboard less than 10 times. Do you think there's people out there that really want or need like a laptop style device (laughs) that has that ability? because i always feel like it's cool that it's there but i'm always going to have it connected because i want access to that uh gpu Mm -hmm. i don't want to use the integrated one i i don't know it just seems like in a way that form factor is holding this the um the surface book back yeah i think it really depends on what you're trying to do uh with the laptop i think the surface pro 7 in its tablet first mindset is a much better form factor because you know it gives you all the benefits of a tablet and you can attach a keyboard if you want to and the keyboard is kind of like the second part whereas the book three is a little bit more of a unified you know more high-end powerful device and i feel like the people who and i could be wrong but i feel like the people who use something that's that needs as much power as the surface book three probably also need a keyboard 90 percent of the time yeah, um, I, I'm glad you said that because that sort of like canceled out what I was going to say where I was like, well, what if you just kind of kept the keyboard on your desk as like this docking station? But yeah, realistically, you'd be better off with a Surface and an external keyboard then. And I'm, sh- I'm sure there are people who use the Surface Book 3 um, detached, right? Like if you're an artist, you do a lot of 3D animation or something like that. You're probably detaching it to draw and use use your Surface Pen and stuff like that. But John, but, all those people own iPad Pros, according to Apple. No, but your your <laughs> your name is like Brad, and you're in Office Number Three, and you got to go down the hall to John in Office Number Two, and you just want to be like, "Oh, John, look what I do!" And you just pull off your screen, and John's on a Mac, so you just want to like one up him. You just pop yeah. in, like, check this out, John. He goes, "My screen doesn't come off." Yeah. I think that's cool in theory. I just don't think anyone <laughs> actually does that. No, like, I, I I just really don't. I yeah. I agree. That's kind of why I asked the question. It was like the battle of the gimmicks it yeah it really comes down to your usage like for me the way that i use a uh, computer for work 90 percent of what i do requires a keyboard so mm-hmm. like when i use surface 
devices with detachable keyboards. I never detach the keyboard because I always need the keyboard, but I know not everybody is in that same use case scenario. And there's lots of people out there that use computers to do digital art. And if you're doing digital art, disconnecting the screen so that you can draw on it is a lot easier. Yeah. We're still on design, right? Yeah. I was about to move us forward, but if you want to toss in one more thing, just want to say one last thing. I think one of the other things that has always kept me sort of not always, but like, recently kept me in the macbook pro world is the trackpad yeah i have yet to encounter a windows laptop i know that there's been strides especially with surface devices over the last couple of years I've, i i just haven't found one that has a trackpad that that's as good as what apple's doing with the macbook pro and the macbook air are there any that um, are as large because that's a big thing for me is the size of the trackpad Everyone freaked out when they were first revealed the Macro Pro because it was so big because they were worried about like false touches, but that, that's not a thing. It doesn't happen. It's fluid. It's great. Even the fact that it doesn't click doesn't matter. Like that haptic touch, I never thought I'd say this, but it's it's better than a physical click. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure the Surface ones are fine, but are are they as big? Have they been upped in any way on the Surface 3s? The, the Surface ones have definitely gotten bigger, um, but... I don't think they're as big as the MacBook ones. They're close. They're getting they're up getting, there, but they're, they're not close. quite. But it, it wasn't even just like the size for me. It, it just, the Pro one feels so, the Pro in the air, the trackpad feels so smooth. There's just something that Apple does. Like, it's one of those instances where it's almost like that Apple Magic. secret sauce. There's yeah. something that they're doing that yeah. makes it feel better, significantly better than any Windows laptop, including the service and i think that's also part of what has kept me using macbooks three yeah, times no, throughout this quarant- three times throughout this quarantine so far i put an apple magic trackpad into my cart and said i don't need this and put it out of my cart but i want one Just i like i have my desktop one. do you use it like an external one right yeah i have one and i was using it with the new ipad Pro the 2020 because the keyboard with the trackpad the magic keyboard wasn't out yet so I used it for the review to check out the uh, new I Cursor mouse support, and trackpad yeah. support it's cool but I would I just a mouse is better you think so? if I'm using it at a desk I, I just want to use a mouse I just yeah. love like the gestures that trackpads allow that's, for that's what I was gonna say I would I would almost like to have a touchpad connected to my desktop if only to have like just off to the side so i can like do gestures on it if i need to switch virtual desktops or something yeah, like maybe that. i'll try that yeah i never thought about using both let us know how it goes <laughs> um i'll just right. have like this matrix power setup yeah connect it to your like shirt so you can just like, reach up and just like dust off your <laughs> just, shoulder just... to like switch. <laughs> um i've yeah i've definitely seen people with setups like that where they have it like they have the trackpad on the left side so they can reach over with their left hand and like do a swipe gesture if they need to. And they've still got the mouse set up as well. I'm doing that right after we're done this podcast. Yeah, that sounds super cool. All right, let's move on though to software design. So this is somewhere where things actually do get a lot different because the hardware, you know, aluminum machines are aluminum machines, but software is what you interact with and when you're using them. Uh, Windows has like a very strong Metro design that's sort of come into its own in the last few years. And to me, uh, Apple seems to be losing things or not losing things but it's getting old it's not it's not as fresh as i used to find it so i'd like to hear thoughts on software design 
Uh, Metro is dead. Is oh is yeah, sorry. Where I'll, I'll, I'll start there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's what is it called now? What's now? the design language? Fluent, fluent but it's like fluent. Metro is still kind of there. I don't know. Yeah, fluent That's, looks like Metro, right? Like it kind of does. Like I'm not crazy for getting it that does, confused, and it doesn't. And honestly, I think the best way to kind of sum that confusion up is windows 10 that's that's what windows 10 is windows 10 is like three or four different operating system designs from the last 20 years mish and mashed together into something that's mostly functional Mm -hmm. um yeah i would just say that like from a software perspective um sure mac os you know might not have been you know, received any fresh coats of paint recently you know it's kind of dated in it in its look but you know, Microsoft kind of has this cobbled together software ecosystem on Windows where you you have like a modern looking apps with their new fluent design. And then you have some apps that are still very heavily Metro inspired, which was their Windows 8 design. And then you have a lot of stuff that's also Windows 7, basically, with maybe a little bit of fluent mixed in like the file explorer. The file explorer on in Windows 10 is basically the file explorer on Windows 7, which is good um, and bad, for which like is good and bad, use. right? Do you think it would um, ever get changed? Maybe. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I think, People I think they riot. hinted. There was like a design video that dropped that was like, you know, a couple months ago of just a quick snippet look of some things that are fluent design in Microsoft that they're working on. And one of them was a fluent design in File Explorer and it looked really nice. But the big thing is, is it going to be as functional? Because the File Explorer right now, yeah, it's not the prettiest, but it's super, super functional. Yeah, um, very true. So yeah, that would be my gripe with Windows is everything more or less works, but it really feels cobbled together. And depending on what you're doing, you can jump through, you know, all the way from 2020 Windows 10 back to like 1990s Windows, depending on how deep into the OS you're willing to You have to go go pretty deep to get into the 90s. Um, Because I think on the flip side of that is, yeah, that can happen. But on the other instances, sometimes you can just use all new apps and and new services and new websites. And it it looks like super clean and fresh. And you hit the Windows key and pop open the search bar. And like, there are times where it looks really cool. Yeah, Pat? One of the things I was going to say is like watching my mom use a Windows 10 laptop that has a touch screen was a really eye-opening experience for me because she uses that laptop totally different than i have ever used windows 10 like she's using pretty much exclusively touch to navigate everything Mm. so i i know that there's this perspective where like it seems like it's in some ways various eras of windows kind of like duct taped together to try to create this cohesive ecosystem but then when i think about it like in a way, that's an advantage because you can use it how you want to use it. Like I'm sure John doesn't use touch controls at all with Windows, right? Like he uses a mouse and it's keyboard primarily. Whereas like, like I just said, like someone like my mom who still amazes me given her age that she was able to like pick that up so quickly, but that that's how she uses Windows is with with the touch controls and the, the different tiles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wait, like even yeah. in the touch screen, like tile touchscreen tablet mode i think it's called tablet yeah mode. wow she okay. uses it pretty much exclusively in tablet mode but it's like she doesn't have a great laptop it's like an older acer with a yeah. touchscreen one of the first generation windows 10 touchscreen laptops um yeah and, and she she has a trackpad and a mouse obviously but she primarily <laughs> interacts with it uh through touch controls 
Fair enough. Yeah, I I don't remember what it when or where or why I had this conversation, but I recall having a conversation with some Microsoft people about that. And that was one of the things I kind of talked about is that, you know, having the touch aspect is really important to them because it's a whole new way for people to interact with. Hmm. And touch as a way of interacting with technology is a lot more kind of intimate or personal or just kind of like natural. It's, it's really easy to just pick something up and start touching it compared to interacting with it through a different device like a mouse or a keyboard well i think that's kind of why we're all going off about the trackpad right for the same reasons it's just sometimes that that tactile interaction those gestures those pinch to zoom those types of things feel so natural when you touch something to microsoft's credit to like you're starting to see apple go down that route not with mac os but with ipad os right Mm -hmm. like adding the trackpad and mouse support I think over the next year, you're going to see apps being redesigned to work with touch displays, uh, sorry, to work with touch controls, but also mouse and keyboard, which in some ways is what um, some Windows apps, like they've kind of adopted that that sort of uh, universal input method as well. Yeah, Windows definitely got the jump on Apple in this one, I think. Yep. Um, in terms of software design, though, Pat, how do you feel about Apple? I know when we were talking earlier, you were saying you kind of like the familiarity of it because it hasn't changed very much in a long time. Yeah, I, th- I think whenever I use a Windows device, like I, 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 we talked about this before the, we started recording, but like I, I wasn't always a Mac OS user. Like I only switched to using Mac OS as my primary operating system in probably like 2013, 2014, something like that. Um, and there was a time where I still did surface reviews at mobile syrup and my previous jobs. So I would switch between the two operating systems pretty fluidly. And I think for me, one of the things with windows is I would, things would change, like there'd be a setting and I would know where to access it. And then a new version or a new update, a significant update would drop. And then it would be harder to find that particular feature, or it would be located in a different way or buried or whatever. With macOS, I know there haven't been significant like visual revamps. I do agree with you that it's starting to look a little dated. But on the flip side, I think that's also an advantage because anyone that's used macOS probably over the last 10 years, everything is still where it used to be, if that makes sense. You're still able to quickly access whatever settings you need. So in a sense, I see that as an advantage. And I, I do think that Apple has added interesting new features to Mac OS. Like there's stuff like with Catalina, um, they got rid of iTunes, which has been a dumpster fire for quite some time. It's unfortunate that iTunes still exists on Windows devices. They added new apps. Like there's an independent music app. There's a video app. There's things that they've changed. Like they added improved Siri controls, things like that. And then I guess the biggest thing with Catalina, and in a way, I saw this kind of as a, a negative. They switched, they, they're dropping support for 32-bit applications. So there's several older Mac apps that either developers aren't supporting, they no longer work on the operating system. Mm-hmm. So they've made good changes. They've added new apps. They've made bad changes. There is stuff going on, but I think it's pretty difficult. Like you can't deny that Mac OS hasn't become an afterthought for Apple. Like their sales are in the iPhone. Their sales are in the iPad. They're really concentrating the on iPad. Yeah, in the, the AirPods, iPad OS and iOS. Like that's their focus. Mac OS over the last five years has really like taken a back seat. I think at WWDC last year, we saw them kind of like pick up the mantle and realize that people, especially creatives who use 
Mac OS still really care about the operating system and still use it. So I'm hoping that we see kind of like a fresh coat of paint this year um, at WWDC, but I'm, I'm not, not, not counting on it. Like Apple still cares about it, but they also don't at the same time. It's not, it's not the money maker. It's not the growth driver anymore. It might not be the future. The future could very well be iPad OS. I mean, it'd be crazy. And that's a long way off, but that's what, that's what Apple wants the future to be is iPad OS. Um, I, I don't think it's there. I don't think it's ever going to be there. I, I just, on like a purely subjective level, and this is to both you guys and, and me as well, but like when you see, you know, marketing material for the latest MacBook or the latest Surface or Windows device, or you look over your shoulder and your John's shoulder and you see him at work running on Windows, and you're like, that looks pretty slick, whatever he's got. Like on just a subjective level, when you see one compared to the other, do you have like a, a, a design you like more? Cause, you know, they both have sort of different design languages. I wouldn't know what to call apples anymore, but you know, we've, Take it fluent as Microsoft's. I think. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Surface devices look cool. I've always thought that. Um, I thought when Microsoft first launched the Surface line, it was like a, a pretty, in a way, like a brave thing for them mm-hmm. to do. It was mm-hmm. out there. It wasn't something we've ever seen. Even when the Surface laptop first launched and they only had the Elkintera version. Yeah. That was pretty controversial. Um, I thought that the Elkintera looked really cool and that it was durable. Turns out I was wrong. It does get dirty pretty easy. It is possible to clean it, but you're still going to get those stains. Still looks cool. I, I, it still looks really cool. I think it was super unique. I, I honestly really think that what Microsoft's doing with the Surface line is pushing PC manufacturers to um, kind of up up their game, up up their laptop design game. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really helped close that gap with, with Apple and the industrial design that they've had for a decade at this point. Um, without the service line, that never, that never would have happened. Do I think PC laptops, Windows 10 laptops have, have surpassed Apple? No, they might soon. They're definitely getting there though. I think there is a coolness factor. Something that, as you guys have been saying your, your pieces that keeps going through my head is like if I saw someone with a Surface and I didn't know what it was, I'd be more likely to like, hey, like what kind of laptop is that? That looks really cool. That like has a really unique design. That black color is very deep. Like, you know, very interesting as opposed to an Apple device where it's like, I know what it is. I can see it from a distance. And maybe yeah. that's good or bad. I don't know. You know, the one thing I'll say is I hate the look of the Surface Book. I really don't like it. The- and I hate the, the hinge, the way the hinge has that like space. I think they really need to change that. It was cool when it first launched because it was different and something we haven't seen before. But like, it's been a couple of years. They got to they gotta change it. I, yeah. I think uni- universally, <clears throat> it's not that popular. You're against it too, would, John? I would say that I think across the board, my main gripe with Surface is that Microsoft hasn't really changed things up since these products were introduced. Like we're on the, the third generation of the Surface Book and it's like visually identical to the first one right yeah how many 
Surface Pros have come out, how many Surface laptops have come out now, and they're all more or less look the same. And it's very Apple-like in a way. It is very yeah. Apple-like. And, you know, I it's not that big an issue because the designs are frankly really good. Like the Surface laptop is one of the best designed laptops on the market right now. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, it would be nice, but like also Microsoft doesn't really need to change anything because they've already got a really, really great hardware product. I wouldn't extend that so much to the Surface Book. Um, I can't really speak too much about, you know, the hinge and stuff like that because I haven't gone hands on with one yet, but just from like a, like an opinion, like looking at it, I'm like, I don't really see how that hinge is going to be super useful compared to like a normal laptop hinge. I don't, you know, the book to me kind of looks like the more dated of the Microsoft product products and the surface pro seven. I think if the surface pro seven looked like the surface pro X, I would be a lot happier because the Surface Pro X is so nice. It's such a nice piece of hardware and it's still unmistakably Surface, but it's, you know, newer and and more modern and smaller bezels and thinner and and nicer. It's more rounded, which kind of seems like an evolution of the design, which is nice to see. Yeah. Um, Back Um, to the hinge. I kind of like it. I don't know. When it's open, I think it looks really cool. Having that one like full piece that just goes from flat to up. No, no, like break. You're just... wrong. It looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I, I can't speak to it because I've I haven't played around with any of the Surface books recently. No, I um, but I, I I get what you're saying, Brad. Like I get it. Um, have you used one though? I had one for a little bit. Remember, Igor used to have one, and I yeah. had that one for maybe a week. Okay, uh, fair so, enough. So when it's closed, it's stressful because <laughs> you're like, what's going in there? I just have, yeah, exactly. Like I have these visions of, and I talk about this all the time. I have these visions of like dust and debris getting inside it and then just scraping and scratching the screen. Like that's already an issue with MacBooks and pretty much any laptop. Yeah. If you're putting them in a bag that has heavy stuff, like the keys are going to get pressed into the screen unless you put something in between it or have a screen protector on your MacBook, which is something I just bought for mine and installed which is crazy that I have a screen protector on a laptop, I know. Yeah, but it's in pure sleep by hours, so. Oh, it has. I sleep yeah. so much better now. You're 100% right. That's no. why I don't look tired. See, these bags are gone. Yeah, you look like 10 years younger. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. But no, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, it's stress-inducing, and the MacBook that I have at the moment has super bad key indentations because I wasn't really aware of this for the longest time, and so I just have to live with it now, and in any kind of glare, it looks terrible. I'm glad to have uh, ruined your life by letting you know of this issue. Thanks. Yeah. I think every MacBook that I've ever looked at has had some level of key indentation on the screen. So yeah. you guys are not alone in that. You want to know the only hardware that I've ever used that doesn't have that issue? It's the the Pixelbook. The original Pixelbook has like this little rubber thing um, kind of on the hand rest that flank the trackpad. And that leaves this tiny, tiny space that I don't think is enough for debris or sand or whatever to get in there. But if you put that laptop in a backpack and you have weight on it, it's not going to, it's not going to squish. The keys don't depress. I, I wish every manufacturer did that. And I don't understand why. I don't know. It's always baffled me why this isn't something that other people complain about. It always just feels like it's a, it's a Patrick thing. I, I don't get it. I, I don't think I've had any issues like that with the surface laptops either, at least not, that I recall when when you close them, what does it look like? 
Well, with the Surface uh, book, there's about a three-inch gap in one corner. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> I know I'm kidding. With the book, but I, I mean, like, with the Pro and the laptop, is there is there a space? I don't think so. Okay, interesting. I, it could be different. So the metal ones um, have a bit of a an indentation on the keyboard, so the keys sit lower, but I think the keys are still flush with the rest of the palm rest. Okay. The Alcantara one, I think, would have a little bit more of a difference um, in in height. But either way, like when I had the Surface uh, Laptop 3, uh, the 15-inch one, to review, I, I don't recall having any issues with getting the screen all keyboard indentated or whatever the proper phrasing of that is. I think we just coined it as keyboard indentated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess sort of the last thing, and I... I think this will probably be the last thing that we can pair but smartphone compatibility has kind of changed a lot in terms of windows for sure i mean mac has always kind of had it and it's always been sort of one of the secret things that if you have a mac and an iphone you get all these extra features but now if you have an android phone and a windows device you also get a lot of extra features so i think that's worth comparing because a lot of people don't know uh yeah go first john because you yeah I, i can jump in on this one um basically what i would say is that Microsoft has put in a lot of work into kind of opening up and connecting windows with other things. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of reasons why uh, I would say that probably the biggest initiative for Microsoft is that they have eventually the Surface Duo coming out, which is going to be a Microsoft device running Android. So there's a little bit of incentive there. But basically, Microsoft has this your phone platform. That makes it super easy to connect your Android device uh, with your Windows PC. Uh, If you have a Samsung device, there's even more options, but basically it supports sending text messages, phone calls, sharing files and images between the devices. I think with the Samsungs, you can also uh, copy and paste between them. Um, And most of this is available on any Android device. Uh, and some of it is still exclusive to Samsung, but will eventually make its way to other Android devices. And it's all free. All you have to do is install the Your Phone app on your Android phone from the Play Store. Um, and if you have a Windows 10 PC, you probably already have Your Phone on it. In fact, when you first set up most Windows 10 PCs, they say, do you want to connect your phone? And you can actually text a link to download Your Phone to your phone from your PC. Yeah, I think I scanned a QR code. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple ways to do it. It's a really, really handy, uh, app. If you want to have access to pretty much your entire phone on your desktop. Um, now there's very limited. If there is any support at all for iPhone through Microsoft's your phone platform, I think all it lets you do at the moment is copy links from your iPhone to your desktop. Like all you need pivotal. But there are other platforms, and that's the nice thing about uh, Windows and Android and stuff like that is there's so many different options. So I know Dell has one, I think they call it Mobile Connect, that you can get, and it does a lot of the same stuff as your phone, but it also works really well with iPhones. And if you get the the Mobile Connect app on your iPhone, I think you can do screen mirroring, so you can basically mirror what's on your iPhone on your Dell PC. Um, So there's a lot of different options out there, but I would say that PC or Windows to mobile phone connections have gotten a lot better in recent years. We've come a long way from using like the push bullet Chrome extension. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah, Pat, I mean, you've rebuttal. You, I, everybody knows the Mac and iPhone is the dynamic duo. What, what do you have to say? There's like no integration. Um, yeah. I think, I They're think not the speaking to thing, each other currently. They're, in a fight. <laughs> They're uh, separated, but not divorced. I, I think the, the like key thing would be cutting and pasting. Like that's cool. I use it all the time for the work that we do, whether it's like social link stories or cutting and pasting an Instagram caption that I want to post on Twitter, things like that. Like that's, that's really useful. Um, there's handoff, which I don't really use cause I don't use Safari. I kind of use Mac devices a little different than a lot of people where I like Mac hardware, but I don't really use Apple software. I mostly use Google software. So like Gmail, Chrome, I know I need to not use Chrome. I need to read John's guide. I got to switch to Firefox or one of the other lesser known browsers. I'm going to do it someday. I swear. Keep saying it, but I'm going to do it at some point. Um, So I I don't really use handoff. I could see that being useful if I did, but I don't. And then the other thing is the messages app, which I would say that I absolutely hate uh, for a couple of reasons. I don't want to receive phone calls or text messages on my computer. I usually have my phone in front of me, so I'm fine with them just coming through my phone. In fact, when we were recording this, I actually had a call come randomly through from my allergy clinic that I had to cancel. Like, I I don't need that to happen. Um, And that was because I forgot to close the messages app and I need to change the settings so that it doesn't open every time I restart my MacBook. Um, But even just apart from the fact that it's annoying, I've never, and this is since I've started using a Mac device from the very first time, I've never been able to get messages uh, to sync properly with my phone. So I see all of the messages, like every conversation I've ever had through text, through the messages app is there, but the contacts, like the actual names of the contacts aren't, it's just phone numbers. And I don't know why. And if you Google this, it's like a common issue (laughs) that Apple's never really addressed. They just say like, resync it. I've done it a million times. It never syncs. Sometimes the names will appear if it's like a new conversation, like a group chat or something like that. But like a contact I've had in my phone forever, like my mom or something like that, that doesn't show up. It just is a number. Um, I had the so that's not a huge issue. issue, but like it makes me not want to use it. But also just inherently, I don't want to respond to texts on my computer. I can just do it on my phone. I, I'd rather keep things separate. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to jump in there and just say that I 100% agree. I don't actually use the windows your phone app at all it's i've never wanted to have text messages on my computer it's just not interested me i've tried it um you guys are crazy i just i don't like it i enlighten us bennett tell us i think you're just more popular than us you got you have like your friends texting you all over the place you gotta respond to them i wish i could get my snapchats on pc let me tell (laughs) no oh my goodness um no i i don't know how you guys don't like this like i a, I used to have the Mac iPhone set up and I used to use messages. I have had issues with contacts syncing over, uh, particularly like when Alex and I met, like getting her contact from my iPhone to my Mac was like, I had to just make two contacts. It was weird. Um, yeah, I am not doing that. There's no way. Yeah. For me, it was easier because all my old stuff is there, but the new people I have to make new ones for. Yeah. So it's a step by step, but it's, it's still, yeah, that syncing issue is, is something. Um, But even on Windows, like I like... I like when I get to my PC and I just sit down and I sort of can replace whatever I would use with my pocket PC and my phone with the PC in front of me or the computer in front of me. So like I want my texts to come here. I want my notifications to come here. I want my emails to come here. If I could get something that would be like 
I know your phone is right beside your PC. I'm not going to put any notifications to it right now because all your notifications you're getting on PC. I would love that. Because like, I don't want to miss things, but I don't want to be using more than one device to accomplish the tasks that I need to do because they're both just computers at the end of the day. One is just a phone size, you know, like maybe that's is that I cannot crazy? relate. No, hey, that didn't switch you at crazy. all. I thought I was really going on a tear there. No, no, you've not I, convinced me. I, I get what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from. I don't agree. It, maybe for me, maybe it's because I like to use my PC for gaming, right? And then, you know, if I have it connected to my phone and somebody starts texting me, I'm getting text messages popping up while I'm playing a game. I'm like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to respond to you right now. I'm, I'm busy. Turn right? on that's Cortana. how you don't finish in the top five in Apex. Yeah. The Microsoft Focus Assist or whatever it's called. Yeah. Well, that, that's a factor as well. Um, so that's that's less of an issue now. But like, it's just, you know, my point is, is that if I'm using my PC, I'm like, trying to do something and trying to be productive and I don't want to be distracted by notifications from so-and-so texting me. 100%. Wow. Um, that is enlightening. I'm going to need to ask more people if they like like phone integration with their PCs or not because I thought everybody would be all for it. This is surprising to me. But yeah, I think that's more or less it. I mean, do you guys have any closing notes? Do you Have you been swayed at all? Do you think that there's a an operating system for, you know, for everyone. I mean, the, the only thing we didn't really touch on that much, and I think this is a whole can of worms that we don't really have time to get into, but is like the hardware side of things where mm -hmm. like the MacBook Air, for instance, the new one features Intel's 10th generation processor, but it's the Y series, which is the lower powered one, mm. whereas the, the Surface Pro Sorry. The Surface Laptop the 3. The Surface Laptop 3. This is so many devices, so confusing. The I Surface know. Laptop 3 features the U-Series, which is more powerful, right? So yeah. in a sense, you're getting a more powerful device. You're getting more bang for your buck. I think that's something to consider. I'm currently reviewing. Like, I already reviewed the 13-inch MacBook Pro. I liked it. It had some shortcomings. We've talked about that. Currently reviewing the MacBook Air. It'll likely be on the site by the time this podcast is published. But that's one of my issues with it, is I can't help but wish... Um, Apple opted for the U series because it would be it would be the ultimate laptop. Like I get it from a marketing perspective, they're leaving that for the Pro. That's why the Pro exists. They would argue that like they're doing this is more than enough power for uh, MacBook Air users, and like in a way, they're hundred percent right. But I, I just can't help but wish they went that U series route with this laptop. It would be near perfect for me if they did, and, and they didn't. So my, my question on that would be, and I don't, I don't know how much you'll be able to speak to this, but what kind of overhead is involved in running Mac OS? Like I know mm. if you're running windows, you typically need some pretty decent hardware for it to run moderately well. Like most lower end windows devices really don't run well um, because windows just kind of has a lot of overhead in terms of running it on a platform. So I don't know if macOS is a little bit slimmer, a little bit more t toned down I and can run on, on lower hardware, but I don't know a ton about that, but I know that in general, like the thing with Apple's devices is that there's this cohesive union between the hardware and the software. So on the Apple side of things, like we always see stuff in the comment section where it's like, Oh, this phone only has four gigs of Ram. It's a piece of crap. You should never buy it. When in reality that that doesn't matter because iOS runs, it is optimized to run on that, 
one hardware configuration, so it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. So my guess would be that it's the same thing with Mac OS, where it requires less hardware. I think, in a sense, this issue that I'm talking about with the U-series, Y-series, is it's not exclusive to me, but it's a bit of a of a unique use case where, again, I don't use Apple's um, software, like Final Cut and stuff like that. That has all been optimized for its own devices. I use Addition. I use all the Adobe Suite stuff. I use Premiere. I use Lightroom. And Adobe is notorious for not optimizing its software for Apple's devices in a way that truly takes advantage of them in the same sense as Apple does with its with its apps. So I always feel like, or like I feel like some of the issues that I've had with the Air, where if I connect it to my 4K external monitor and I'm trying to run Lightroom on run sc- one screen, Photoshop on the other, maybe I'm editing this podcast with addition. I can't, I can do that, but I encounter lag. I feel like if I were to use Apple's apps and relearn everything, relearn my workflow, that wouldn't happen. But I don't feel like I should have to do that. And if I did have the U-series processor in the air, it would be able to do those those things. Does that make sense? Yeah, one yeah, thing I, I get that. One thing to more address the overhead question, and I don't know if this is sort of the perfect example, but I did have the MacBook for a while, right? And like I did use that, and it was the M5, so that's kind of like a Y-series i5 from years before. So there was a little more power involved, but generally I was able to get through the day to day on a, on like a pretty good basis. You know, like running through the operating system was was pretty good. I don't know how I don't have a Windows exact comparison, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah. And like, like, I I can't say with certainty that that is the case. Like the Surface Go Two is coming out, and it's got a core M three eighth gen processor in it, right? And mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go hands on with that sh- soon. Hopefully, uh, it depends on. But FedEx. They, do <laughs> but, they start uh, you with a scaled down version of Windows? I think I remember seeing they they used to, um, but no, Windows it, it's out of the box, full Windows on the Go to. Okay. Um, so it'll be. I'm interested to see how that that works and how it performs. Um, I have a bit of a hunch that it'll Windows in and of itself will be okay, but I feel like it'll be you know, I'll be better off using stuff like Microsoft's Edge browser compared to, you know, like Google Chrome or Firefox or something that might not be quite as optimized and in, in stuff like that. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I wish I still had my MacBook to lend you to like compare or something that might be interesting. Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting comparison. Indeed. I still have one from the 2015, but that M series processor so old that like it would be worth the comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all in all, I, I I think unless anyone has the courage to definitively say that they believe one ecosystem is better than the other, are we done? <laughs> are we done? Uh, you we... can't like if you're a reasonable person, you like you really can't. There's like advantages and disadvantages that we've talked about over this podcast to to each of them, right? Like you'll have those people in the comment section that we see all the time on on Mobile Syrup that do not they cannot fathom why someone would use a PC because Things are so much simpler with a Mac. And then on the other side of the of the spectrum, you'll have the same thing with Mac. We're like, you're an idiot because you shelled out too much money for this laptop that you could get from Dell for a fraction of the cost with the same configuration. It's like, it depends on what you want to use it for. 
It depends on what you value in an operating system. It depends on what you care about in terms of hardware. It's it's two different two different worlds that have strengths and weaknesses. All right, yeah. Patrick did it, not have the courage to say it. John, do you have the courage to say uh, it? Every, everybody knows that uh, Linux is the superior operating system, <laughs> and that's what we should all be running. <laughs> Damn. But I no, knew- like, honestly you can't definitively say one is better than the other. It really, really does come down to what you want to do and what you want to use. Right. Like for me, I, I love playing games on my computer. Um, and I've used windows for such a long time that I just love, or well, love is maybe a strong word, but I, I know how, how well it works and I can just use it and I don't really have to think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I if, could, if you game, why would you buy a Mac? Like it, yeah. it just makes, it makes no sense. I could switch over and use a Mac, but a Mac would never replace my desktop setup. So I'd still be using windows uh, on my desktop and I'd be using, you know, Mac OS for my laptop, but I really only use my laptop for work. So it's like, to me, it's just, you know, it's easier to use windows on everything because that's the operating system that I use primarily for you know, in my personal life. So it's easier to just adapt it for work as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle. I mean, I'm kind of in the, the middle of it right now. You know, that's partly why I kind of wanted to do this as basically I have a windows desktop that I use for work currently because I'm working from home and that's my home computer. But I also have a MacBook pro that I have been using for work for the past year, if not a little longer. Um, but it's aging getting old it's getting slow and yeah i just every day i seem to be coming up with a new answer for what i want and you know it's so hard to pin down why you would want to go with one operating system over the other um you know it's just it's an endless debate i thought maybe you guys would be able to solve this maybe i need linux john said it we can't help you yeah nobody can help help you i'm going on your lost quest going into the desert do we I, want to wrap this up and hit the uh, hit the games that we've been playing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's do it. Um, you can pretty much go first, Pat. I just played Apex Season Five a little bit, so. Yeah, that that's all I've been doing. Been playing Apex Season Five. I really like the new character, uh, Loba. Yep. Great, got the name right. Um, I think her abilities are super cool. I think she adds like the loot finding stuff adds a new element to the game. The changes to King's Canyon are awesome. I think the weapon balancing is excellent. There's so many things that I really like in this update. And I think that Respawn has handled Apex in an extremely, extremely impressive way. Like I haven't seen a developer be able to pretty much universally keep its audience happy with the only exception this time being people that play as Pathfinder are mad that his cooldown is has been increased so you can no longer like fly across the map on zip lines every five seconds. Yeah, I think um, Loba has the same cooldown. Like I think they're both thirty five seconds for their like yeah. quick lead transport ability, I guess. I I really like the game. I think it's the best battle royale. Fortnite Fortnite sucks. Warzone's horrible. Um what's the other big one? PUBG. PUBG. Who even plays PUBG? Butter Royale. That game doesn't even Apple have colors. Arcade. <laughs> I don't know that's, if anybody that's the real battle royale. I don't know if anybody there. read about PUBG on Stadia on the Verge the other day. Oh yeah, it's empty and you just play bots. Yeah, that's so sad. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So other than that, I've been playing. I actually recently set up my aging desktop, um, which was pretty timely because we're talking about Windows. 
updated it, got all the new graphics card drivers, all that fun stuff so I could play Oculus Rift games again. I covered a lot of VR stuff for Mobile Syrup four years ago, which blows my mind that it was four years ago. I only know this because when I go into the Oculus store, any game that I installed back then, it tells you how long ago you had it installed on your computer. Absolutely insane. Time does not stop moving forward. Um, And I've had fun with it. It's interesting. I've hurt myself a few times. I've punched a wall by accident because it's rim scale VR, right? I have all of the older headsets, the PlayStation VR, the Oculus Rift, and the Vive, and I opted for the Oculus because it's the most comfortable, and you can kind of create a room scale setup with three cameras in a, in a smaller space than you would for the Vive. The Vive needs a little bit more room. I've mostly been playing a game called Super Hot, where it's like you're kind of like Neo in the Matrix in a sense, and you're dodging bullets and shooting enemies, and it's very simple graphics, so it's able to run on my PC that could barely run this first gen of VR four years ago. Oh my God. But I Can think you even that, run crisis I'm on low settings, maybe, maybe sub HD. Okay, but I think the thing that has really kind of, and it's, it's bad in a way is like, I, I want to get back into VR now. Um, part of that's cause like I can't go anywhere so I can go places in VR at least. Um, <laughs> so I'm really thinking about picking up the Oculus quest because you don't need cameras. It, it has room scale with cameras just built into the headset itself. So I, I really want to test that out. I know it has a mobile processor. It's not as powerful as one that's hooked up to a PC, but the more I read about it and the more I watch, that seems like the future of VR. Because I feel like if I didn't have to set up all this stuff and update all these drivers, I would have got, I, I never would have dropped off VR. I would have kept playing every once in a while. Whereas all of that extra work meant that like, I, I just want to play a game. I don't want to have to do all this extra stuff to get it up and running. So yeah, hopefully... Um, I'll get my hands on an Oculus Quest at some point in the future. What are the chances that we like tune in next week or the next two weeks when we do this and, and your This Week in Gaming section is, well, I've been getting into VR and I just spent two grand on a graphics card so I can play Half-Life, Al- <laughs> Half-Life, Al- Half-Life Alex in 4K. It's possible. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking about the Ocul- Oculus Rift S at the same time because I have, I'll just do this super quick. I have an Oculus Go and, <laughs> yeah. and its display is higher resolution than the Rift, even though it has like, no processing power, no room scale. Things look clearer on the Go. So when I use the Go and then switch to the Rift, it's like taking my glasses off in a sense. Mm, yeah. And everything's much blurrier. So it really makes me wish that I could at least try an S or try the Quest to know for sure that it's going to look better with room scale. But that, that's just my like initial comparison that I didn't really notice before um because there's a little bit of space between when i was using the the rift and and the go cool um and yeah john what have you been playing uh i've been playing two games uh one of them i wrote about for mobile syrup recently it was factorio um and it sounds like pretty much the most boring game you could play but it is insanely addictive so basically the whole point is your dude crash land on an alien planet got to build a factory to make a rocket to go home but the core gameplay loop is that anything that you can do in the game, you can automate. So it pretty much turns into this giant management game of like building a factory and then managing it and, and stuff like that. It sounds super, super boring, but it's it's really cool because, you know, when you first start off, you're like mining resources and stuff like that. And you go, why am I mining this stuff by hand? I'm going to build a drill that'll do it for me. So then you build a drill 
and then you have way more resources and you're like, I don't know what to do with these. So then you build conveyor belts to ship the resources uh, to be melted down into other resources that you can use. And it just keeps building and it's this endless loop. You know, you take your copper and then you refine it and then you turn it into copper wire and then you put those into circuit boards and then you need bigger, more advanced circuit boards. So then you have to expand your circuit board production to make newer, more advanced circuit boards. And it just keeps building on top of it and getting more and more complex. So it just sounds so satisfying once you like get it all done. It, it is, it's satisfying it's super fun. It's like really kind of puzzle oriented as well. Cause like, you know, you, you build this massive thing to make something and then suddenly it stops producing that thing. And you're like, well, what happened? And then you have to spend, you know, hours troubleshooting. It's great. It, it's Can I play so it on fun. Mac. Um, I think it's on Mac, but I'm not sure it doesn't. Okay. It's like, it's, it's got like, like super old looking right? pixel graphics. So it's not super graphically intense. Um, but depending on, how crazy of a factor you get going it can definitely slow things down uh and then the other thing i've been playing is warzone um i would agree with pat that apex is the best battle royale but i just enjoy uh warzone a little bit more personally with how i play battle royales so i've been having some fun playing with that you guys on that you're wrong and that game sucks yeah and that big dwarf fortress update did anybody see that that oh there's a big dwarf fortress update uh i so i'll admit i never really played dwarf fortress i just saw it once thought it was cool when i was like 15 downloaded it and as you know what dwarf fortress looks like if you know then you know that that's something that if you have no idea what you're doing makes zero sense to you at all oh 100 is this minecraft so <laughs> no it's do you have do you know dwarf fortress i have no idea what that game is. you okay. have to google it it's like what it's like ascii or whatever like what's that like language ASCII, yeah so it's it's yeah. like ASCII graphics. So when you look at it, it's like a bird's eye view. Um, of like this map, but in like characters and symbols. What the yeah. heck is yeah. this? It's, Imagine it's, like it's like staring into the matrix, man. It's insane. Why yeah. does it look like this? I don't know. Don't never because, figured it out. <laughs> because the game is so like intense. It basically it simulates everything. So I used to, I used to play Dwarf Fortress a fair bit, and the whole kind of point of the game is you have some dwarves. You're building a mountain fortress. Yeah. Um, but it, it simulates everything. It simulates the dwarves getting food. It simulates them having relationships. It simulates them making art. So like I was like going through my fortress and I had told I had like a dwarf that was good at engraving stuff. So I told him to engrave everything in my fortress. So he was just going around for days, like chipping stone out of the walls and like designing art on the walls. And the whole point, the whole reason I told him to do that was to artificially increase the value of my fortress so I would get more trade. And I could like go through and click individually on each wall tile and read a description of the artwork that he did. And it's like not like a there's a dragon on this wall. It's like detailed like this is a depiction of the year 1342 where the dwarf army of Ragnarok was fighting like three dragons from Mount Visnubinus or this something like that. Insane. Like, it's absolutely nuts. It, I, it's insane. I brought this up as a joke. I can't believe you played it. It looks crazy. I'd like to play it. Maybe with the new graphics, I'll try. But that actually did happen. They did update the graphics. I don't know how much better it is, but I think it's more that's, understandable that's now. There, there were graphics packs that you could get that would turn the characters into like, like actual images and little like sprites and stuff like that but wow the weird thing is at least that i found with it is it would 
transform more than just the actual game because the whole thing is ascii so the menus would some of the menu characters that were ascii as well would get turned into like <laughs> random dwarves and stuff like that so that's funny um okay yeah sorry let's for wrap pulling this that up. tangent let's do it all right uh so thanks for listening to the syrupcast be sure to drop us a five-star review on itunes it really helps the show with our rankings you can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore O'Rourke and, of course, on mobilesyrup.com. Brad, where can people find you? You can find me just about anywhere at the Brad Fad. And uh, just like Pat, my work is on mobilesyrup.com. Oh, and, and I have some videos John. on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brad, we should mention this. Brad did a fair amount. You did two videos recently, right? Like a Yeah. So there's two videos. One that is a review of the OnePlus 8 series. And then another deep dive into Chrome OS that's on our YouTube channel. He's kind of taking over the YouTube channel and spearheading that video effort. So uh, say some nice things in the comments section about his videos. Oh, wow. That would be lovely. <laughs> and then uh, John, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Lamont. And that's John without an H. So J-O-N underscore L-A-M-O-N-T. And also on the website, mobilesyrup.com. And John's Surface stuff should be hitting the site probably next week. Soon, I hope. It's Soon it's really hope. it's really up to FedEx. It's not in my hands anymore. <laughs> FedEx is your your new editor. Yeah. Uh, so, and as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening. Your lighting has gotten a lot better this time, Pat. You're really glowing now. Did you did you bronze you. at all in between or something? No, I'm just sweaty.